And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. What did you say your name was? Captain Jean-Luc Picard of the USS Enterprise. Which one of you is the captain? Do we violate the treaty, Captain? Red alert! All hands, battle stations! This is Captain Kirk. Incorrect. Can we just get down to it, please? Prepare to attack. All hands battle stations. No! Gardner and Chris Honeywell. Greetings, children. Soon the podcast world will be ours. Millions of podcast listeners are all waiting to be our friends on Rigel 12. When you go there, you will kill all the adults. Hi, I'm Chris Honeywell. <laughs> Hey, wasn't here. that the original pitch for this show? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and <clears throat> and uh, that was my impression of the uh, evil outer space Burger King, who you'll hear about <laughs> in today's episode of Star Trek. Monthly Monday, number, we're at number 44 already. And when I say we, I mean myself, Chris Honeywell, and Scott Gardner, the other voice you just heard there. I, yes. We're back. We're back on format after a whole month of that other science fiction um, franchise that we talk about in our nerd show here. We're, we're, we're back on the track. And even better, back on the old school track. Sweet. The Kirk track. But you know, some people may be wondering where's Uncle Randy? Well, I tried. In the interest of uh, full disclosure, it must be said that, uh, you know, I did try. Um, but how to, how to put this? You know, we're, we're kind of flying, even though we're back on format, we're kind of flying loosely by the seat of our pants on this one. So we really didn't um, leave probably enough of a, of a window of opportunity for him to jump on. It was more like, 
you know, a couple of nights ago, I called and was like, hey, you know, can you make it for uh, for Star Trek again this month? And uh, and evidently not, as I have not uh, yet gotten the return call. So I don't think it was lack of interest or anything. I think it was just the fact that we kind of, you know, it was kind of a, an 11th hour type of thing. So, oh, well. But we definitely will have Randy back in the future. Cause we'll he have had to do fun. His, his summoning, his summoning chat. <laughs> Friendly Randy, come to us. <laughs> that might work, actually. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> That's scary. Oh, that is frightening. That I is... hear if you stand in front of a mirror and say, uh, Randy Man three <laughs> Randy times. Man. <laughs> <laughs> he shows up. Randy Man. Randy Man. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> oh, so this is the part where we usually uh, talk about all the Star Trek stuff we did, but there's not an awful lot. I picked up a couple Star Trek items at a garage sale. They're kind of weird, but they were a quarter a piece, so what are you going to do? They're kind of useless. Uh, it, I, now, I'm, I'll probably get the years wrong, but I got a Star Trek... The Next Generation and a Star Trek Old School calendar. And one was from 92 and one was from 93, but I couldn't tell you which one was which. So I've got some <clears throat> 90s Star Trek calendars, which, yeah, they got some nice pictures in them. And they only cost a quarter and they were Star Trek. And I got a little plastic Kirk, too. It's just like a little sort of rubbery plastic... <laughs> Captain Kirk in his in his yellow shirt, um, mounted on a, a Starfleet insignia. You know, is 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 his base. It's probably oh, cool. like two, three inches tall. Huh. And, and I wonder what that's painted. from. I don't know, but uh, it wasn't it wasn't very like highly detailed sort of thing. It was a very crude one, and that was like ten cents. You know, out of some bin full of you know strawberry snort cake. McDonald's figures and stuff like that. So that yeah, basically that's that that's about all. You know, I, I guess we could take this segment to sort of apologize in advance because as you'll find out in in this episode, we probably we won't be uh, we probably won't be we definitely won't be doing any uh, Star Wars comics again this month. Star Trek comics. Star Trek comics. <laughs> yeah, we definitely won't be doing any Star Wars. There will comics, not be yeah, any we... Star Wars comics for sure. <laughs> I know we've talked too much about Star Star Wars comics. Star lately. Wars. I know. Um, I know. But uh, we'll, we're definitely going to get back to it. Either if yeah. we had a graphic novel that we that we wanted to. Uh, bite off but that was something yeah. if it would have ended up just being too much for this show yeah. so if we don't if we don't get to that we'll at least get back to our DC um, Star Trek comics yeah. for better or worse well, the, the graphic novel um, damn now I've just completely drawn a blank on the name of that thing Dead of Honor that was Dead, a Dead of, of Honor, Honor. Um, you know it was request somebody somebody had mentioned it not long ago in a, in a I don't know it was a facebook pm or something like that it came up in conversation i was like yes you know this is a perfect opportunity to cover that and we have fully intended to get to it but um pulling that book back out again after all these years and taking a look at it i realized that that's a much meatier read than i realized that it was so we are going to get to it it's just a a matter of finding the right time and place and opportunity to cover that because you know we don't want to get 
we don't want to give it short shrift or anything. We want to make sure that we give it, you know, really good coverage. So it's going to be a matter of, you know, when we can fit that in. So next time around, you know, so long as, you know, we, we don't have any scheduling issues or anything like that, then uh, we will definitely, at the very least, we'll definitely pick up the uh, the DC um, series, you know, resume our coverage of DC. Cause, and the only reason I mention that, you know, Chris and I were talking just before we hit the record button that, uh, Something I don't know. I can't remember if this was something that was posted in the forum or Facebook or something. But somebody sent me a message, basically saying, "Hey, have you guys ever considered covering the DC, you know, the DC comics via brick through your window, something like that? <laughs> DC Comics Star Trek series on your Star Trek show?" And I'm like, "The hell are you talking about? <laughs> We've covered that." you know pretty much since the beginning and then i got to thinking you know if it's a new listener who hasn't listened back to right. everything we've kind of been off format on that for a while so maybe they're just not aware that we actually do cover that as the regular you know one of the regular uh portions of star trek monthly monday maybe they're just not aware or maybe they were talking about uh next gen come <clears throat> come to think of it which eventually we oh right yes we probably will be getting to that eventually it's just a matter of we're gonna have to fi- figure out where to start basically and how to try to maybe try how to treat try to keep it synced up i'm not sure because that one actually you know same way as like with this show with star trek monthly monday classic edition we just use random number gener- you know generator to, to pick which shows because while there is sort of a, a progression of character in that sort of thing with the original Star Trek, for the most part, when we watched the show as kids, I don't, I never got the sense they were playing them in any order whatsoever. That you, you know, you could turn on the TV any day of the week and it could be any episode. I am I wrong about that, Chris? The only ones that it? seemed like they were in a different time frame were the really early ones where every where the look and the feel of it weren't quite so you thought, okay, that's further back in time when Spock yelled and stuff like that. Right. But other than that, it was made you know, syndication was a different thing there, you know. They right. you know, they they could they could be filming the shows and once it's on syndication who knows what the local channels are going to do with it. So a lot of right. that stuff was made to just sort of be all, you know, its own self-contained. I, I guess, I guess more of what I'm asking is, you know, say, say the internet had existed back then, or say that back then we'd had a copy of something like the star Trek compendium. Like I have today, you know, that has a definitive list of the the order of the episodes. Do you think that they were playing in that order? Because I don't Mm-mm. think they were. I'm almost oh, positive. No. And even if they were, I'm pretty sure they weren't playing all 78 episodes. Well, because, because I'm so- convinced that there were episodes that I never saw as a kid until, you know, like uh, like this one that we're about to, uh, to discuss... I'm not sure that ever played when I was watching it on regular television. I think the first time I saw this one was uh, was when it hit videotape release, you know, for sale. But I, I don't know. I could be. I no. But I there know were a few lines that I remember. I seem to remember, uh, <laughs> like um, us mocking. Oh, okay. <laughs> so maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. But I, I'm pretty sure there were. But anyway, my the point I was getting at in a very roundabout fashion was, 
start, you know, next gen is a linear progression, you know, mm-hmm. so we have to cover that one in order. And I'm kind of wondering, you know, I've never read the comic series um, for the next gen. Neither and I'm really I. looking forward to getting into that because I, I've heard really good things. About so have I, yes. Assuming that the, the comics are probably much like the show. So we're going to have to fight and figure out where do we start and what do we cover in order to try to say, you know, stay more or less synced up with the show so that, you know, the, the comics aren't spoiling ahead or we're not falling by, you know, that sort of thing. So it's just, it's going to be a matter of sitting down, you know, with, you know, and, and, and figuring that all out and, and, you know, how are we going to cover it and all that crap. I just haven't, I haven't done it yet, but it's, we're coming up on it because we're not far now from the end of the second season. And I know that the comic series starts during their hiatus between the second and third season, because the, for the first, I think six or eight issues, Dr. Pulaski was still the doctor on the ship. Um, you know, before what happens in the third season happens. So I don't know, we'll figure it out at some point, but yes, uh, we will, not only resume coverage of the comics we've been talking about, but then we'll eventually do uh, next gen at some point too, when we can figure that out. Yes. And you know, this also <laughs> reminds me I've I've had a, I've had a little plan in my head and I'm just going to mention it and say, don't expect this to happen tomorrow, but it's definitely on my agenda. And what reminded me of that was you talking about somebody who was a new listener and maybe wasn't familiar with what happened in the earlier episodes. And, <clears throat> pardon me, I've been kind of realizing lately that, uh, you know, our Libsyn page is kind of, it's not really a mess, but it's kind of hard to find old episodes of the show. So I've, I've, got, yes. a, I've got a plan to have a section of our forum that will have a link to every Tutu Freak show in its own in its category. So if you get hooked uh, on Tutu Freaks, you can go to this one thread and go to the Star Trek section of it and just work your way through, you know, in chronological order if you want to it in one one stop shopping. But it's gonna be a sort of time consuming sort of data entry process so you know once once i get caught up with (laughs) just getting our episodes out and squared away i'm gonna make that happen because i think what we what we ultimately need for this show and and to help facilitate that sort of thing i think we need a wiki hmm and i know that there are other shows out there you know long-running podcasts that have a wiki that helps people find, you know, particular a subjects that, yeah, that sort of thing. But the ones that I know of, they've all been created by the listeners to the show or one, like one listener in particular, who's particularly fanatical about the show. So, uh, Hint, hint that I wouldn't be uh, opposed to that kind of thing if we have well, a, it's like we said any like, listeners that have an abundance in, of time on their hands. In Star Wars Monthly Monday, you know, it's that unpaid, you know, that unpaid intern that we're, uh, or interns that we're looking for. Um, we'll pay what's, you in What's the better phrase. word for it? Slaves. Slaves. Yes, yes, that's right. 
but uh yeah because oh i can see the headlines tomorrow <laughs> two true freaks recommends bringing back slavery <laughs> I, I can definitely see that yeah um yes <laughs> in the case of two true freaks yes we're not opposed to it, says Chris Honeywell. Only, only, yeah, self-imposed slavery. You have to, you have to come to us. Yeah, you see, <laughs> and actually, real slaves are bought. We're not going to pay anything for whoever our slaves are. You know, I ain't touching that shit with a ten-meter cattle prod, <laughs> says Scott Gardner. <laughs> That's why I got an eleven-meter cattle prod. <laughs> <laughs> I had to order it from Texas. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> well, well yeah before this gets too silly let's get, you want to get into our super you know no, no 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 one second no i want to hold your feet to the fire for a second Uh-oh. you my good friend have this horrible habit of picking and choosing what parts of my emails that you decide to respond to now i sent you a list not long ago of Star Trek books that I recently acquired, and you never responded one way or the other whether you were interested in any of these. Do you, do you know the email I'm referring to? Vaguely. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna run down. Do you have like a like a master? Well, I guess the the real question. Are no, you? No, I pretty much know what I have oh, for okay. the most part. So, I mean, are you collecting Star Trek books in any way, shape, or form? Or I am, but mostly I'm really only interested if it involves Kirk, the, the Kirk crew, or Kirk, you know, oh, okay. bleeding into, you know, something, the original series, because not that I have anything, well, I, you know, Enterprise and, and, and Deep Space Nine and... And Voyager, I don't know anything about them, you know. Yeah, these these are all Kirk era books. Then yeah, I'm probably interested in them. All right, I, what I'll do, I'll probably just uh, just send the whole kit and caboodle to you. But I'm not sure what you may already have, and and that sort. Because I thought if there's anything that duplicates, we'll put it up for grabs for the listeners. We'll come up with a with some sort of cheesy you know listener contest or something where they could win. Now you hear how you know, I'm in the background now? Uh huh. I just realized I was at a garage sale. Uh huh. I had gotten some other Star Trek books. See, I thought you had said that because you mentioned in the Star Wars Monthly Monday, you know, going to the garage sale, but then you stopped, you know, by saying, I also got some Star Trek stuff, but I'll discuss that in the Star Trek show. So I wasn't. I totally I, forgot. Now I got them in my hand. I got. Uh, which, uh, yeah. I got another copy of Star Trek: The New Voyages. So I got a couple, and I got the New Voyages too. We should put those up for uh, for uh, well, of course you're making your 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 bread and butter by selling that stuff. So. Well, no, the Star Trek and Star Wars stuff I don't really sell, and these books aren't really worth a whole lot. Right. And anything that I'd give away on the show would be something I had doubles of. I got a copy of Star Trek Seven and Star Trek Ten, the James Blish, which I think I already had those two. <laughs> I regret getting rid of all my uh, my uh, Star Trek uh, James james bullish. bullish novels because now i'm finding out i'm seeing a lot of times mentioned on the internet where those novels actually had a lot of like missing scenes and things that were based more on 
original scripts. And oh, like, for I, example, I, I love them. I love them most of all because they're just sort of like they're sort of like having your collection of the TV shows, you know? Right. But I mean, uh, for example, the the episode um, "Who Mourns for Adonis," which now as an adult is one of my favorite episodes. From what I've read on the internet, the novelization of that by Blish is based on an earlier draft of the script. And it actually goes into, what's her name, Carolyn or whatever, being pregnant with Apollo's child at the end of that episode, which is, that was an earlier, you know, script draft that they didn't go with in the finished episode. But that idea has been picked up and run with by Peter David in some of his New Frontier books. So now I'm very curious to uh, uh-huh. not only own that, but to, but to read it, you know. And I, I also got one of the early novels, you know, the old, it was still in the Bantam books, like the, mm-hmm. the James Blish one called World Without End. Oh, yeah. By Joe, Joe Haldeman. Which yeah, is another like one that I didn't that. have. It's got a great cover. It's got a very non-Star Trek-y cover on it, on this one that I have. It could, it's just a very generic science fiction book, sort of, um, you know, city, sit flat city planet with other planets around it. But that's what I love about these, especially these Ballantine, you know, the James Blish era Star Trek. I love the cover art on them, the paintings of... It's always the Enterprise, like shoot it, you know, shooting the the engine off a, a, a Klingon battle cruiser. Or right. Like Star Trek Seven has this like green stone god thing holding out its hand with the Enterprise in its hand, and hmm. uh, the New Voyages Two has this weird like smoking piece of a. It it almost looks like a star destroyer or something with the Enterprise like floating up beside it i love all that stuff well as i know you do the editing on on this uh show i'm gonna give you the names of these books so that when you're going through in the editing i can can take time to uh to look and see so if any of these are duplicates let me know and i'll I'll save them aside and we'll do a contest or something but um where these books come from is uh all over property where I work at Walt Disney World, all over property at the different little cast buildings, they always have a section that's one of those like give a book, take a book type of things, you know, where where people can just, you know, dump off old paperbacks or, or actually any kind of reading material that they have that, you know, they're just getting rid of it, you know, and, and you can trade, you know, your books and that sort of thing. And it's, it's a really neat thing. And the, and you know, they often have some really nice brand, you know, often brand new books there that, you know, they're free, you know, you just have to trade something for them. So I was going to uh, costuming recently to uh, get a change of clothes. And I saw a ton of star Trek books dumped off at, at, you know, the one that I use locally where I work. And most of them I already had, but I thought to myself, you know, I really ought to pick those up because I know that I'd be able to give them a good home, you know, I mean, not for myself, but, you know, either through the show or giving them to you or whatever. And I thought, you know, if they're, if they're still there next week, when I come back around, you know, I'll go ahead and I'll take them. But I didn't want to take them then and there, you know, I wanted to give other people a, a shot at them or whatever. Well, the very next week I came you know, came back by there. Sure enough, they were all still there. And I thought, all right, well, now they're mine, you know. So I dropped off a bunch of old paperbacks and stuff. And and I took these 
And here's what I came up with. We got uh, Blackfire by Sonny Cooper. And I always want to say Sonny Cooper because it just sounds like a redneck name, I yeah. think. Good old this Sonny one I Cooper. <laughs> Come on down to Sonny Cooper's used cars. Yeah. But uh, I remember this one being a really good book. I mean, I haven't read it in you know twenty something years, but this one, uh, this was one I always liked, and I love the cover on it because it's uh, Star Trek: The Motion Picture era, Kirk and Spock, you know, the Enterprise is from the motion picture, and then the Klingon battle cruiser looks really cool. It's like a blend of uh, old, you know, the old show and the and motion picture era. But Spock's uniform is really cool because it's the motion picture era uniform, but it's all covered black with like a silver neckline on it's really sharp looking. He, he looks cool all in black. But I remember that being a really good book. Um, Ice Trap by L.A. Graff. And the only thing I remember about this one is it had mention of the Titanic in it, which I thought was cool. But the book itself, I can't remember if it was any good or not. The Wounded Sky by Diane Duane, which again, I think is a good book, but I, I can't remember it very I well. I may have, that one sounds familiar. I may have that one. I just might remember it from your book collection, though, at yeah. one time. That's the one that had the glass spider in it, which I always thought was kind of a goofy concept for a character. Um, the Better Man by Howard Weinstein that is supposed to be, from what I've heard, an excellent Dr. McCoy story. I haven't yet read it myself. That one looks neat just because it's it takes place during the uh, the original series. And then finally, uh, a book that... Uh, now, granted, I haven't read this, but based on the one of this series that I have read, I would imagine it's probably pretty good and that you would probably really like it. Uh -huh. This is uh, Star Trek The Captain's Table. This is book one, War Dragons, and it has uh, uh, Kirk and Sulu in it. Now, Captain's Table... Um, I've read one of the books in this series, and it was the one that was the captain of the ship from Peter David's uh, New Frontier novels, Captain um, Mackenzie. That was a really interesting book because it was basically the origin story of that character. And the Captain's Table concept is basically there's this place almost kind of like the Nexus where Capt as long as you're a captain, you know, it doesn't care, you know, it doesn't matter if you're the captain of the Enterprise or the captain of a friggin' fishing boat, you know, as long as you're a captain, you can get admission into this place that's kind of like exists everywhere and nowhere at the same time. It's like you walk into a door in some alley and all of a sudden you're at the captain's table, you know, where time that's really weird. that's more like something out of harry potter man yeah yeah it, it's, it's a really neat concept you know so there's every possibility that you know kirk and picard could Is actually captain crunch there, there? possibly <laughs> he qualifies huh he qualifies, yeah <laughs> but i i liked the concept i thought the concept was really good and that one particular book of the series that i read was a really really good read so you know granted this is by a different author but potentially, you know, it could be just, you know, it could be good like the other one was. But anyway, that was the uh, the stack of those. So if you need any or all of those, let me know. I will. Uh, I, I know. Those. I definitely. The only one that may be questionable is Wounded Sky. It's all got, the other one I, ones I know I definitely don't have because I don't have an awful lot of them. Right. I've been working on the James Bl James Blish number ones, and I like, and I like the um. Oh um. The logs, well, the log, the logs too, which are the animated ones. I'd like right. to get a whole collection of those, and I, I, hmm, I'm trying to think of what, 
They they they're like they were fan made. They were they were compendiums of fanzines. Oh um yeah, I, I'm trying to rebuild my collection of those too. I really like uh, those. I was reading those. Best of Trek. Best of one? Treks. I'd like best. I'd like to build my collection of Best of Treks. I got a couple of them, but I guys I got started on those again at your house because you had a bunch of them and I was I was reading through them and enjoying you know the what? hell out I of them. Think I may have one or two doubles. In my collection, if I do, I'll throw them on the pile. Oh, for ex it. excellent! Because those remind me of podcasts. Those are yeah, that's basically yeah. what they are. It's just it's people who are big fans talking shit, you know, and yeah. that's what I like. Well, I used to love those things because they used to be at the at the supermarket is where I always used to find them. And you're right; they were basically they were fan made, they were fan edited, and everything. And but and yeah, they were basically the internet they before would talk, the internet. Yeah, yeah, they would talk about stuff that we would talk about. They'd be like, you know, what yep. was up with Sulu in this episode, you know? And they and they would go in depth into something that nobody else would be interested in, unless you were right. a, a big time Star Trek fan. So. See, that's one of the reasons why I've never really gone into serious Star Trek II nitpicks in a podcast because I feel like that was done 20-odd years ago in those things because yes. I discovered Best of Trek at a great time. because it I was read that best. one at your house with, with all the Star Trek II writing in it. It was, fasc yeah. it was awesome, fascinating. It was fascinating. <laughs> But, you know, that was right when I was becoming a hardcore Star Trek fan was in that interim period between Star Trek 2 and 3. And I remember, you know, several uh, editions of Best of Trek being about, you know, this this fan argument going back and forth. You know, how could Khan possibly have known who Chekhov was? And, you know, how are they going to bring, you know, Spock back in Star Trek 3? And, you know, was it really going to be Leonard Nimoy and all these? And I love that stuff because you're right. It was podcasting before podcasting. It was really great stuff. But, yeah, somewhere in my 9,000 moves, I have lost some of my book collection. I don't know how it happened, but it all seems to be focused in my Star Trek books. It was probably and, one box got yeah, misplaced, you know? Yeah. Because it was all from the same stuff. It was all like pre-movie era, pre-timescape novel Star uh -huh. Trek books. They all disappeared. Uh, see, you that's know? all the stuff that I like. That's the stuff that I'm interested in. Yeah. So I lost like all my best of Treks and all those early, early novels like, uh, you know, Fate of the Phoenix and, mm. um, you know, Spock Must Die Spock and all that must shit. Die, yeah. yes. You're right. It, it must have been just like one box that had all that stuff because everything else I've got. But yeah, all that all that pre, you know, pre uh, modern, you know, quote unquote, modern day Star Trek stuff is the stuff that disappeared on me. I don't know whatever happened to it. But so I've been very slowly trying to rebuild that because again, you know, even to this day, every once in a while, I'll go into like a Goodwill or Salvation Army and I'll find some old like best of Treks and stuff like that. And you're right. You know, the Star Trek stuff, you know, the Star Trek novels, they have not retained their value at all. I mean, no, you can not, find stuff dime a dozen. They printed a lot of them, you know, and everybody yeah. has got them or wants them has got them. You know what I mean? So, I mean, they're a, gra they're, they're a garage sale game for me. You know, it's like, fine. you know, I, I could go on eBay and for very cheap complete my collection, but it's more fun to stumble up upon Right, yeah. Something for 50 cents at a garage sale. 
Sometimes yeah. you run into like the people who have them for like five bucks a piece. Are like those are antiques. <laughs> yeah, that nobody wants. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, sure, they're antiques, and they still ain't worth shit. Well, can you tell that we are just dying to discuss the uh, the episode that uh, the random number generator has chosen for this time around? So, you know, somehow you I will feel enjoy like... this episode. And while I'm saying that, I'm taking my fist and pounding it into the air ahead <laughs> of me. You will all enjoy this episode. Uh, so, well, my master list that we go off of for these things lists this as episode 59, but the book lists it as episode 60. I don't know how, what's out of order where, well, but anyway. Before you go, before you say this, this is, and the children shall lead. Uh. I have been instructed to place you and Mr. Spock under arrest. Stay away from the controls. If you touch them, we'll be destroyed. When did we change course? We haven't changed. Ring around the rosy. So long as the children are present, there is danger. We'll have to kill them. The enemy have discovered our operation. They must be annihilated. Go away or we'll kill you. Busy, busy. There will be opposite. Losing command. Losing the enterprise. This one, uh, this one aired October 11th, 1968. So I was a day away from being six months old when this episode came along. Uh, so the synopsis on this one says arriving at the planet Triacus. The Enterprise finds that the scientists in the Starnes scientific expedition have all committed suicide to escape an unknown evil presence and to escape having to participate in the rest of this goddamn episode. <laughs> the scientists' children are unharmed and seem strangely oblivious to their parents' deaths. Beamed aboard the ship, the children are cared for while Kirk and company attempt to learn the full truth. The evil presence is an entity named Gorgan, who has sneaked aboard the Enterprise with the intention of siphoning off his power through the children and using the starship to take him to planets where he can lure other innocents into following him. To prevent the Enterprise crew from fighting him, Gorgan renders Kirk <laughs> incapable of giving orders, frights the ship's officers with illusions, and influences Spock's uh, mind into believing that there is nothing wrong. Kirk's distress shocks Spock back to normal. The children are shown tricorder tapes of their parents and their graves and suddenly see Gorgan not as the quote-unquote friendly angel, but for what he actually is, an ugly evil force rendered harmless by the loss of its followers. The entity fades away and all is well. What a world, what a world. <laughs> Oh, where to begin with this masterpiece? We begin at the beginning. You know, you know what I noticed with this? This one really creeped me out because by the time I was watching this, it was about the same time Jonestown happened, the Jonestown <laughs> massacre. 
And that's what that beginning of it is. It's like the Jonestown massacre. carried around the classic Kool-Aid man smiley face Kool-Aid pitcher throughout this episode, I would friggin' love this. <laughs> but, uh... They should... You know, I was just gonna... I was just gonna say that for a remastered episode, there's precious little remastering in this one. Very, I think they need very to go little. back to the drawing board and remaster in that Kool-Aid picture just to <laughs> just to make me happy. Well they just make the Gorgon Gorgon look like the Kool-Aid man and have him show when he shows up he just comes through the wall. <laughs> oh yeah Turbo lift doors. Oh yeah oh yeah children we're going to Rigel 12. <laughs> that would make my favorite. Big Red Angel, come. <laughs> Big Red Angel, full of juice. <laughs> no, they could just, they could gather around and they could, they could just can't, uh, chant a, hey, hey Kool-Aid. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, Oh man, commercials! You know, I saw commercial. I got one of those Mickey Mouse talking phones from the seventies, and I haven't been able to get it to work. So I went to YouTube to watch the commercial, and uh, I forgot we used to mock that commercial all the time when we were kids because the little kids were kind of brain damaged in it, and the one girl goes. Hello, Goofy. And he goes, oh, you guessed it. I'm Goofy. Oh, I remember that. <laughs> exactly. yes, I as, do remember that. As commercial. soon as I saw that, I remember you like, I think you used to say that to uh, John Graw all the time. Oh, you guessed it. I'm Goofy. It's the Mickey Mouse talking phone. Hi, <laughs> this is Mickey Mouse. Mickey, come over for a party. You call down that. Okay. With the Mickey Mouse talking phone, the battery is not included. It's Donald. Come on over. With a Mickey Mouse talking phone, you can call six different Disney characters. Yup, you guessed it. I'm Goofy. Hi, Goofy. Mickey Mouse talking phone from Hasbro's preschool division. <laughs> I forgot about that commercial. Uh, how did we get from? Oh yeah, Kool Aid Man to to that. Yeah, this. Because we don't talk about this. <laughs> well, the, uh, what, uh, this had some great moments in it. Come on. It had, and this, there was, at the very beginning, when there, there's, of course, one survivor who's just a gibbering, you know, quivering idiot when, by the time they get there, <laughs> and they see him, and Kirk comes up to him and goes, it's Kirk, and the guy just drops dead. <laughs> <laughs> And then later on, when they're reviewing the tapes, the one guy is like, it's the enemy from within. How perfect would it have been if it would have been the evil Kirk that killed them all? That's why the guy was so scared when Kirk showed up and it's like, it's Kirk. And he's just like, I know. It would have been perfect. They blew it, though. Again, would have been one of my favorites if that had happened. The enemy within just turned out to be their fear their own fears uh, let's see what else we got um the uh united uh, federation of planets flag makes an appearance mm-hmm. i think this is the only appearance of it if i'm not mistaken but it definitely makes an appearance and i'm you thinking see Kurt uh, get pissed when that one kid almost knocks it over he's just like hey kid don't knock the f- well, he's using one of those shitty wire, like, 
garage sale sign holders to hold. Oh yeah, up. it's like a banner yeah. you would see at a football game or something, you know, like <laughs> in Kirk's college dorm room, you know. Well, also it occurs to me now. I know that they're trying to 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 create some, you know, sad little moments, and of course the plot in this one hinges on those shots of the colonists' graves and all that, but. You know, it occurred to me right away when they, you know, I think they go to commercial break, if I'm not mistaken. But, you know, basically the bodies are all laying around and Kirk and crew are all stumped, you know, looking at the kids going, what the hell? These kids, you know, it doesn't seem to bother them. Their parents are laying here dead. And then we come back to it later in another scene and they're all standing around at like the memorial service and the people have been buried. Now, that's kind of integral to the plot because it plays in later to when they show the kids the tapes and elicit emotions from him and everything. But I don't think it really logically follows because why are they burying Let's those people autopsy. on that planet? Yeah. Well, not only autopsy, but, I mean, wouldn't you collect the bodies and take them so back? Because Tommy... Stuff. Yeah, exactly. He, the oldest kid meant... Because I was waiting for that to see relatives. if it was mentioned. And he does say relatives. Yes, but, he does. You know, they so might have had their, those relatives. There are, might be some rule huh? or there might be some will where they say bury us wherever, you know, they might have like when when you're in space, maybe when you go into space you sign off on like where what you know you know, basically bury me where I drop, you know, so that there aren't guess, starships yeah. full of stiffs floating around, you know, taking everybody <laughs> back to Earth, you know. All right, we're back you know, and how happy a you know, it should be a happy occasion to go back to Earth. It's like, hey, we're back to Earth. We brought all the corpses back. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I guess. Um, I thought they launched them into space. That's what I thought. So, you know, it it still seems to me a little bit convenient. You know, like like it just it serves the plot in this particular episode. But any other time, we would see them. You know, put down into you know cold I, storage I was or whatever. Expecting one that said James R. Kirk on it. <laughs> now the the part where um, Nurse Chapel is making the the Sundays for all the kids. That one kid lists like fifty ingredients. You know, well, I want vanilla and I want chocolate and I want a cherry on top and I, I want think pistachios. She's got one card that she pulls out and pops into the machine, and it pops out the exact thing she that had he that one wanted. With that mixture on it. If I were her, I would have pulled a Ted Knight on him and been like, "You'll get nothing and like it." <laughs> <laughs> well, she'd already given him one. You know, he'd already picked one out, and then he didn't want that one, so he gets another one, and then he just leaves the other one back in the machine. I hope they truly do recycle that shit. Otherwise, that little kid just wasted, like, somebody's weak <laughs> supply of ice cream. You know, there's going to be some ensign who's been toiling away down in it was, the shitter. It was know? probably the red shirts that got that got beamed into space. That They probably went to get dessert <laughs> just before that, and they got gypped on their dessert, and then they got beamed into ice-cold space to die. Nobody makes any attempt to rescue those yeah, guys. Yeah, there's no – I mean, Kirk's like, then those two men are dead. And, and Spock is basically like, yes, they're dead. They're, yeah, they, they, I, I mean, mean, you d- pretty much die instantly in the vacuum of space. I think all your. Yeah, but I mean, it's not like 20 minutes have gone by. I mean, what? Maybe, maybe a yeah, minute has gone that's, by. 
the time they beam him out and the time they figure you would think that they, at the very least Kirk would like run over to the controls and at least make an attempt no they're either frozen I mean, like there's... popsicles or burst like balloons from the pressure <laughs> differential yeah your blood literally boils in your in your veins and instantaneously it's so cold well, I mean I I know what happened. I'm just saying doesn't does it not seem just a little bit callous that i mean there's there's nothing there's no emotion there's no, no kirk's pissed you know? he's pissed that he just beamed two guys out into space but he knows it's part of but i i think that scene would play they so put on much the better if they knew see, what they were doing <laughs> you know if we had seen kirk like dive for the controls and he's frantic and he's twisting knobs and throwing levers and then you know spock walks over and just calmly like lays his hand on his shoulder and you know jim you know it's too late or say you know just a little something but there's really nothing it's like oh we assholes and you know (laughs) (laughs) i don't know it's it's just got to be said i just don't think this is a very good episode (laughs) and it's a shame too because it's it's not like the concept is bad or anything because the concept's actually not bad at all. It's it's an interesting yeah, idea. It wasn't that bad the first few times that they did it too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That that's part of the uh, problem for, too. Is it does like we've been in this territory before? Well, since we're in the faint praise segment of this one, you know, for <laughs> a, for a epi- for a season three episode, it was well directed. Usually in season three, there's a lot of wonky shots and. And this one had was coherent. This one had, you know, coherent cuts, not a lot of weird, um, jarring things that you usually don't, you know, like weird, weird um, zooms and stuff and dolly shots right. that usually wouldn't happen. It, it was a pretty Star Trekky feel, Star Trek, but it was. It was. It was a little bit of Wolf in the Fold mixed with Miri, mixed with some Charlie X. Charlie you know? X, yeah. And uh Yeah. And, and that's basically it was I mean, I enjoyed it. It was fun because it's always fun, you know, what you get you get to see there's a lot of fights in this one and you get to see Scotty go psycho, you know, and uh <laughs> and first you, What do yeah, you do when you get to see him go psycho is the guy who knows what's going on and then you get to see him as a possessed by the little fist pumping children psycho too. And I love the, like, Spock, like, throwing, like, three guys off, and then they just hop back through the door. Uh, excellent, <laughs> excellent move there. And I swear to God, we have to look at Bill O'Reilly's, the old days of Bill O'Reilly, because I swear to God, when Chekhov tries to arrest him, the red shirt that with it is with him is, is Bill O'Reilly. Like a young Bill O'Reilly, you know, not really knowing what he wants to do in show business, but he wants to do something. So he gets a gets a, a job, you know, as an extra getting the shit kicked out of him by William Shatner, you know. And and he has that I, I swear to God, he's got the chin and the like and the like kind of greasy kid stuff hair. I'm telling you. <laughs> Speaking of greasy kid stuff hair, that one little kid looks like Randy when Randy was a kid. That one that I don't think he ever he says anything. Say or actually, it's, it's ice cream yeah, yeah, kid. Yeah. The kid that 
does. He's got that, that same pissed off expression <laughs> that Randy would always have going to school every day. Um, right toward the beginning of the episode, there's a part where Kirk walks over to a, a comm panel, calls security, doesn't wait for anybody to answer, and then issues like a whole bunch of orders and everything, and then it cuts to another scene. So how the hell does he even know that anybody was listening <laughs> while he was talking? Yeah. Nobody said yes, you know, sir, like or anything. Up the phone. Yeah. yeah, it's like picking up the phone and not waiting for anybody to answer and say hello, and then you just start buy, talking. Buy, sell, and, and... buy, sell. Yes, <laughs> no. <laughs> the number you have dialed is not working. Joe's Pizzeria, what, what, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> um, you see, I'm, I don't know. As this episode goes on, I, as, as I think about it, I think I might try to pull for, you know, sheer entertainment value. Just for the I whole mean, I'm losing command sequence in it which was actually featured on an early Star Trek Monthly Monday as like a Kirk moment. <laughs> I'm losing command. I'm losing the Enterprise. The ship is heading on and on. I'm alone. Alone. I've lost command. I've lost the Enterprise. It's not unwatchable. I mean, it's not like so horrible because it's this is definitely this is at the other extreme. This is like so bad it's comedic. You know what I mean? Because there's 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 episodes that are great. There's episodes that are eh. There's episodes that are like so bad they're fun to watch because you can just rip the shit out of them. And then there's episodes that are just like I just can't watch that. You know. And this one is is that it's, you know this oh, one has some fun stuff. Good episode, but it's got potential and it makes me laugh. You it's know, it's got the creepy, uh, creepy Mister Sulu when the kid walks up behind him where he goes, "Hello there." <laughs> <laughs> well, the kid, I think he and I think he and Chekhov look uncomfortable that that weird, creepy ass kid, little ginger bastard. Yeah, yeah, he's just standing there like watching them and i don't know that would make me nervous i'd be like can you just like go away somewhere i'm trying to do my job here, go away you know? kid you bother me you bother but, me exactly yeah oh. he's uh, well here's the thing is once he starts fucking with people on the bridge doing his little fist fist pump his masturbatory fist bump his yeah. little arsenio move there <laughs> ooh, 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 ooh. but the thing is it seems like it sort of works on one person at a time right so, but, you know, he comes up and he'll he'll get Sulu to do something and then Chekhov will be like, what are you doing, you idiot? And then he'll fix Chekhov. <laughs> and, but what is up with, he just walks past the, those security guards are like, what are they, are they fucking, um, oh, what do you call it? The, uh, the, the guards in uh, London that, that don't 
that don't move where Buckingham the, Palace? Yeah. Because <coughs> they just stand there the whole time. You know, they're screwing. That like, one is looking right at him when he's doing and that. And he's standing there going, vroom, 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 vroom. And, like, everybody on the bridge is getting all, like, edgy and doing weird shit. And he's just sitting there like, shift gets off in 45 minutes. Dumpty, 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 dum. You know, and I understand later on he does get he does get one of the kids messing with him, and that's when Kirk's talking backwards at him like a ELO record or, you know, a 70s um, right. satanic metal record or something. But, um, um, yeah, but before that, he's just sitting there while it's it's almost as if he's not paying, you know, or he's in another, you know, he's just a prop that they put there or something, you know. And and I'm kind of it's kind of a blow to Uhura, you know, that like the one thing that gets her is like her vanity. You know, she's like, I guess maybe they established that in 2009 that she's like super brainy or whatever. But it almost looked like the thing the the image of herself all diseased and old almost looked um, like the woman from uh, the cage. Remember oh, that one? Vina, they, yeah, 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 you're right. Yeah. I was at first I was almost like, did they just recycle the Vina footage? And I'm like, no, that was she was definitely different. She was more scar faced than than Uhura, who looks more like kinda like she got crossed she got slapped with a horda or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean I, I, I thought they would doctor up maybe the effect of um the swords that Sulu had to navigate through. I but... was waiting for that, yes. And it, they looked just as shitty as they did in the old it show. It was the I same. Was they, yeah, they would just sort of appear ahead and then... Which I guess, you know, I don't know. It's a Sulu's... Sulu's hallucinations are pretty... Yeah, are pretty shitty. Yeah. So yeah, pretty, all, all, yeah. They re all I really noticed on this one was what they usually do, which was make the planet look nicer. And there was a nice shot of the enterprise pulling away from the planet yeah that that was that was you know not what you wouldn't usually see but other well, than that it was pretty much pretty close to the bone you were talking about you know you know it, it didn't have that third season weirdness with you know with freaky angles or tipping the the camera like batman or something like that right. But uh, there was, I noticed, one, what I would classify as a unique angle. It wasn't weird or goofy or off-putting or anything, but it was something, you know, it was an angle that I don't recall having seen before, maybe not seen very often, where uh, Spock goes over, I think he goes to the communication station. I forget, but he goes to one of the stations, as we look at the bridge from, like, where the view screen would be, it would be the left-hand side of the bridge, he goes over there, but in the shot, um, as it plays, then all the stations are then at our right-hand side of the screen. But it's like real tight, like like the camera was actually placed right up at the top of the console, looking like down the bank of of computers and, and view mm -hmm. screens. So you get a really good look at all of the stations there on Spock's side of the bridge. And it's just a really unique angle of those stations that I don't recall having seen before. And I mean, you really get a solid look. I could see that being something that 
one of these people that recreates sets. Yeah, would, would just be creaming sets. over. Yeah, yeah, just like yeah. yes, finally, and like freeze framing it, and yes, yeah. like now I can actually recreate all this. Yeah, there and there's a scene with um where you see Sulu reach down with his right hand and and actually turn a dial, turn oh, the dial on the, the yeah. on the yeah and. Uh, I don't. I don't recall ever seeing that happen before. You know, you right. see people, his hand sort of down there doing stuff, but this is a nice close-up of him grabbing a dial, right? And like clicking it over a few things, and that was pretty neat. It's pretty shit for a 23rd century piece of electronics. <laughs> <laughs> there is a great picture. As a matter of fact, if you need a suggestion for a picture for this episode, I would suggest the picture. Uh, or the the part of the the episode where Spock saves Kirk on the bridge and they get in the turbo lift and there is a moment in this that I fully expected Spock or Kirk to just go kiss me you pointy eared freak. Oh yeah, that's the whole. They're that's, like that's they the are. Whole I'm losing command segment. Oh, yeah. That uh that. Well, there was that. There was somebody did that um, nine inch nail song. With, with Kirk and Spock looking like they're going to make out to edit it through the whole thing. And they they heavily use that whole sequence because they're wrestling around on there and, and Kirk's all sweaty and hot and bothered, you know. But I love that whole sequence. That's a total Shatner. What I'll do is I'll start out and I'm losing control. And then I'll slowly gain control. And at the end, I'll say, I have command. See, it, it's hard to defend so Shatner sometimes, and this this <laughs> is one of those ones that makes it really hard to defend him because it's shit, man. No, because he is an entertainer, and God damn is that entertaining. <laughs> okay, if you say so. I love it. Oh, come on, man. It's it... <laughs> you know, here. It's classic, grabbing someone by the scruff of their collar and just like, I'm losing command. <laughs> Here's the big question for me for this episode is where the hell did Kirk pull the name Gorgan yeah. from? Yeah, he just starts calling him by that name. And I was thinking, maybe it's where Spock was talking about, you know, the theoretical stuff about it. But I don't recall Spock said, Gor you know, and then there was yeah. a creature called the Gorgan. Yeah. And Kirk just starts calling him Gorgan. It, I was waiting for the guy to stop and go like, wait, what did you call me? My name's Frank. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I don't know where you're getting this Gorgan from, but that's like some Japanese mo giant monster. I don't know who you're talking to. I'm Frank. And it's got to be said, but this episode concludes with Kirk. I think he says it two or three times. He says, it's all right. It's all right. It's all right. All right, my ass. These you, little bastards Wences? murdered their parents. What do you mean it's all right? Are you? I mean, there's not going to be any juvie hall. There's no consequences or nothing. You're just going to blame everything on Ghost Burger King guy. Yeah, exactly. And that's it. And these little bastards go. You know, they get off scot free. Oh no, they're gonna get there. Somebody's gonna put them. They're gonna be talking to the head shrinker for a long time. <laughs> I hope they go straight to the neural neutralizer. Ah, uh, 
Now, I don't recall an awful lot of Dr. McCoy in this one. Yeah, he's there because he keeps whining about uh, Kirk wants to interrogate the kids, which seems to me like, yeah, that's kind of important. You you know, they're the they're the living witnesses to whatever the hell went down on this planet. And every time Kirk says, yeah, I need to go talk to the kids. McCoy's pissing and moaning about, well, you know, Jim, you don't want to traumatize. I'm thinking that they're already traumatized. Yeah, I know. He just sort of he's just sort of this auxiliary character in this uh, ancillary yeah. character and he really should be actually like one of the main he should be right in the thick of the with the kids trying to figure out what's going on. Well so then I he thought that was kind of weird. At the very end of the episode he he like runs off the turbo lift and he's like, "Oh, they're blatting. Oh, that's great." And I'm thinking, "What is wrong with you?" <laughs> and, what? And, and, <laughs> yeah, no, that while well, they're showing you they're showing the correct emotions, you know, they you know, they need to show their grief at some point. But Whatever. I I you know, I noticed in a very um in a fa- very Gary Mitchell way, Spock was pretty much hinting that they might have to uh might have to uh, off all the kids. Well, see, that might was the necessary. thing there's see the thing with this episode is like I said I don't I think that the 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 concept behind it is not it's the execution it's badly handled on so many levels and right before they finally have their little talk and and Spock's like well you know you realize that it's the kids and he almost talks to Kirk as if Kirk's really stupid (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which is which is the point where I was starting to get to because my note right before Spock finally lays it on him, look, Captain, you know, the kids are the ones that are doing this shit. You realize that, right? Right before that scene, I had written a note down that said, Go get a goddamn phaser. Because it's the kids. And yeah, I was waiting for Spock just to put one kids. of those kids just to give all the kids the 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 All you had to do is give them a neck pinch take them and tie their hands behind their back so they can't jerk off and right. you're good, you know? <laughs> well, uh, I was, And they have to put their hands together to, to call the Kool-Aid man, too. I was getting really frustrated in the scene on the bridge where, all right, by that time, Kirk knows that it's Tommy that's doing this shit, and that scene feels like it plays out for like a half an hour. Well, I was it's thinking punch really him. Long. When he first yeah. walked up to the kid, I'm like, my Kirk would just slug, would just be like, so slug Tommy, him, yeah. boom, and just Wait. drop him right there, you know? And I was getting really frustrated with the fact that Kirk just stood there, did nothing, watched every other actor on the bridge have their little freak out moment. And then he goes to talk to the completely stoned security guard that hears him talking backwards or whatever the hell he's doing. I don't know what you're saying, Captain Kirk, but you sure sound (laughs) gloomy. So finally, Kirk comes storming down from, you know, up the upper level where the turbo lift is. And he looks like he's intent on whooping Tommy's ass. And I was like, yes, finally. But then Tommy, you know, uses like a red-headed looking... stepchild. Yeah. Or red-headed orphan in this case. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's a pretty goofy-ass episode. It really is. Yeah. I'm surprised they didn't call him Grups at some point. Oh, that would have been awesome, though. <laughs> now, I was curious where these kids had gone because... 
Tommy looked familiar to me, and I, I, I was correct in who I thought he was, even though we don't never really see him do much of anything um, in the episode. He's in Operation Annihilate as one of Kirk's nephews. Oh. That's who I thought he was, but I had to look it up to be sure. But I just found out something really uh, kind of like redheaded nephew is, uh, you know, the the full score to Star Trek three just got released not long ago. You know, the full CD score. And one of the tracks on there is the music for the, the uh, Project Genesis. Um, I don't know if you'd call it a hologram or whatever, but, you know, the little uh, CGI movie that that Kirk shows the others. Um, the music that plays underneath that that segment was conducted by that kid. And I thought that was pretty neat. So evidently he grew huh. up to some sort of mu- uh, musician or something. It says he also created what they call the blaster beam, which is that weird like wow 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 thing that they use in uh, that Goldsmith used in Star Trek the Motion Picture. <laughs> So I thought that was kind of cool. Huh. I had no idea about that. I mean, I knew he was, uh, he was, or at least I thought he was uh, one of Kirk's nephews, but this other stuff, I had no idea. But the one that I was really curious about was that little girl, because every time I see that little girl, I always think that she's um, one of Shatner's daughters. Because I know that... But and, that was and, from Miri. Right. But I see. I thought that the, that she might appear in another episode, and I thought this might be one of the because he. I think he has two daughters, right? So I was thinking maybe it was that same little girl, a little older, or maybe it was the older one of his two, or something like that. So I looked her up, and she of of all of the kids seems like she's had the biggest uh, the biggest career and the most appearances and other stuff. But nothing that really jumped out at me except that she was the voice of Fern in the animated version of uh, Charlotte's Web. I oh, wow. that movie. And I had no idea it was her. I thought that was really cool. Because I really liked that movie. Yeah. And that was a good With what? Paul Lind oh. is, uh, yes. is the, is the Templeton. rat. Yeah, Templeton the rat. Yeah. yeah. Yep. I love that. And evidently she was a contender for uh, uh, Reagan in uh, The Exorcist as well, according, at least according oh, to what funny. I'm looking at here. Um, this also but, had the great the great musical theme. Me, 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 me. <laughs> the classic evil little kid music from Star Trek. Now in Miri, they actually went, yeah, 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 yeah. So that yeah, they, even brought more Miri memories back. The one that surprised me the most, though, and I got to be honest, I'm I'm not trying to be racist or anything, but just given what year this was and, and that sort of thing, the one that surprised me the most was the one that I really figured probably nothing had really uh, come from, from his appearance on here was the little Asian kid. You know, because again, you know, being late 60s and everything, he just, you know, traditionally speaking movies and TVs just haven't held a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of progression for Asian characters, you know, especially back during that time period. This kid, uh, 
had quite the uh, the career. I'm not sure how you pronounce his name. His first name is Brian. His last name is Tachi or Tochi. I'm not sure. Or maybe Tashi. I'm not sure. But uh, he went on. He was a regular character on Saint Elsewhere years later. But what I, what really surprised me, he was the voice of uh, of Leonardo in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles films, the live action films. I was oh. like, holy sh- really? So I thought that was really cool. And he was also uh, in at least one episode of uh, of Next Gen as well. When we get there, I'll point that out. But I think that's years away for us. For How weird. This- that, that just reminded me. I, I, I got a Teddy Ruxpin at a garage sale. <laughs> and I'd heard that there was a Teddy Ruxpin, but it was Snoopy. And I thought to myself, Snoopy doesn't talk, you know. So I had to go to YouTube and look it up, and sure enough, there's a Snoopy that's like, "Hi, I'm Snoopy," but the as I as I was reading like the description of it, the voice of Snoopy was one of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in one of the huh. movies. So I wonder if it was the same guy. Could possibly hmm. have been the voice of Snoopy. It could have been. Huh. I don't know. It doesn't it doesn't say here, but it could it could very well be. Uh-huh. You never know. I thought that was really cool. I had no idea. You know, I really like I say, I, if if there was one of those kids, I would have bet. You know, never really went on to anything else. It probably would have been him or uh, greasy kid or, stuff. Uh, greasy kid stuff. Ooh, that was the case with that kid. The the listing for him says, so far as they were able to determine, that's the only thing he was ever in. <laughs> There That's wasn't funny. porn. <laughs> but that's about all I got for this one, which I think we've given it much more than it actually deserved because it's still, at the end of the day, it's kind of a stinker. But it's a fun stinker anyway. Ain't I a stinker? Now uh, <laughs> let me uh, Uh-oh. get the old... Um, random Star Trek generator go in here cause so you need one that plays uh, classic soundtrack or sound effects for oh the my god it was a pain in the ass enough to get this <laughs> one on there alright we got number 18 18 is 18 is... We've already done 18. 18 was Arena. Okay, we have number 26. 26 is... We've done 26. That was Aaron to Mercy. Ah, kick it. God damn it. Okay, number 11. <laughs> number 11 is... We've done that one. That was a menagerie. Jesus Christ. See, this is going to start happening now. what we would get for using the original the- series <laughs> computer and not the next-gen computer. <laughs> Number 64. 64 is... <gasps> the Tholian Web. Ooh. I freaking love the Tholian Web. Oh, I'm looking forward to this one. Excellent. Right. Looking forward to that one. <gasps> hey, you know what? That's going to work beautifully because next time around on the next generation edition, one of the episodes that we're going to talk about in that ties in heavily with the Tholians. So, yeah, 
That's that'll be some nice synergy between those two uh those two episodes. Speaking of synergy, to take this episode out, I've got a letter here. <gasps> All right. I'd like to read. And this, was this to our Gmail? No, this is a long distance dedication. We have a letter here from young Billy Robinson. Billy writes, Hi, freaks. My name's Billy Robinson, and I used to live on a small planetoid with my parents. Life wasn't so good then. They told us what to do and made us go to bed at indecent hours. We were being completely oppressed until our friend, the Space Burger King, the Friendly Angel, he taught me and the other kids that if we killed our parents Jonestown style, we could go on to rule the universe. Now I'm on a spaceship, on my way to Rigel 12. And when we get there, we will help our friend rule the universe and serve as his generals. Freaks, I would like you to dedicate this song to my hero, the Space Burger King, the Gorgon. Hail, hail, fire and stone. This long distance goes out to you, little Billy Robinson. Sponsor an episode of this or any other of your favorite Two True Freaks affiliated shows. Simply click the PayPal link on our website, donate any amount at all, tell us which show you're choosing and what message, if any, you'd like us to read on your behalf, and you will be an official sponsor of that show's very next episode, with your message read in the show's opener. It's that easy, and there is no minimum donation. Be a show sponsor today. Anytime you plan to visit Amazon.com, please be aware that if you use the Amazon.com link located on our website, www.2TrueFreaks.Libson.com, Two True Freaks will receive a referral bonus for any items you purchase. There is absolutely no additional cost to you whatsoever for doing this. All proceeds go directly toward keeping new episodes of all your favorite Two True Freaks affiliated podcasts rolling. And it really helps us out. So please, use our Amazon.com link anytime you plan to visit Amazon.com. Welcome to Amazon. I love you.
visit our website at twotruefreaks.libsyn.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. Libsyn is spelled L-I-B-S-Y-N. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Join our forum at forumforgeeks.com where you can discuss all of the shows on our feed with us and your fellow listeners. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. Dumbass. And hey, you can friend me, Scott Gardner, on Facebook too. My name is spelled S-C-O-T-T-G-A-R-D-N-E-R. You can friend me on Facebook too, if you can find me. Now available, Two True Freaks t-shirts. See our website for details. Two True Freaks is a very proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. You can check that out at www.comicspodcast.com, where you can hear our new episodes when we put them up. We are also members of the League of Comic Book Podcasts. For more information, visit comicbooknoise.com league. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? Thanks for listening, and join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks. Test, test, say duh. Good luck.